Hi, everyone. Welcome to part one of this Luniverse Conversation with Dr. Franklin Chang-Diaz, NASA astronaut and founder of Ad Astra Rocket Company, and Miranda Chang, who is Global Communications Director at Ad Astra and Franklin's daughter. Part two of this conversation will be coming out about a week after part one, so be sure to keep an eye out for it. Please enjoy the Luniverse. Hello! Hello, everybody! Welcome to the Luniverse. I'm Dr. Charles Liu, your host. I would really appreciate it if you would please call me Chuck. Today, we have a wonderful show. I cannot wait to greet our guests. But first, as always, we say hello to our co-host, Alan Liu. Hey, Alan, how's it going? Hello, it's going pretty good. <laughs> good, good, good. Uh, used any interesting devices recently? Well, let's see. I 3D printed a new finder scope mount for my telescope. So I suppose that's three devices, I guess. There's the telescope, the printer, and the finder scope mount itself. Very cool. Wow. Um, what was wrong with the old finder scope? Oh, it, it wasn't quite... The one that came in the box wasn't quite uh, perfectly shaped to the actual telescope. It was like for a slightly smaller scope, so it wasn't oh. spitting snugly. But the new one fits very well. Ah, oh, ain't technology grand. I love that. Um, it's a beautiful segue into two people who are creating devices and rocket technology for this coming century for all of us. So I'd love to welcome Miranda Chang and Dr. Franklin Chang-Diaz to the show. Hello. 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 Pleasure. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on. Uh, Miranda, tell us a little bit about yourself and, and uh, the kinds of things that you're doing right now that have to do with this particular subject that we're discussing today? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I am the Global Communications Director for Ad Astra Rocket Company. Um, and basically what that means is I am kind of the science communicator uh, on call. Wonderful. <laughs> um, whenever, whenever we uh, are discussing our technology with anyone from shareholders to high school students, um, I help package up that message. Wonderful. Um, wow. Nice. Now, yeah. this is Ad Astra Company, which is not Astra Company. That's a different company, <laughs> yeah. right? Ad yes, Astra. Ad Astra. Ad Astra company, right. yeah. The first time I heard the term Ad Astra was actually on Schoolhouse Rock uh, <laughs> on Zero Mike. Yeah, the Zero one. Right? That was good. Yeah, right? With three zeros after any number, and you multiply that number by 1,000, etc., etc., ad infinitum, ad astra, forever. Yeah, it was great. Ever, Probably about, as much as we can sing without getting copyright flagged. How wonderful <laughs> you are. That's right. Ad astra meaning to the stars, right? Which is wonderful. Uh, Franklin, uh, I should call you Dr. Franklin. No, just, just Franklin. Franklin. Yes. <laughs> All right, we'll, we'll call you just Franklin. Then. We'll call you just Franklin. Franklin, <laughs> tell us about, about what you do. Well, I'm supposed to be um, leading this company, although I think Miranda is the one who really runs <laughs> the place. <laughs> so, yeah, but I, no, I, I'm, I'm the CEO of Ad Astra Rocket Company, officially. Mm -hmm. And um, I've been doing this for the last um, 18 years. Uh -huh. The company started about 18 years ago. We used to be part of NASA. Oh. And then we, we spun out of the, uh, of the, space, um, uh, of the space program. Classic space spinoff story. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Very exciting. Now, were you doing stuff for NASA while you were connected to NASA? Yeah, yeah. I, I spent uh, 25 years uh, at NASA uh, as, as an astronaut. I was... Oh. Um, yeah, I was. Oh, I, yeah, oh. I was. I was. I was having all the fun, you know. I was. Um, 
I, I started uh, in the astronaut program in 1980. I was wow. selected in the ninth group of astronauts. Whoa. And uh, was very lucky. I, I, I got to fly many times in space. Uh, oh, how many? How many? I flew seven, seven missions. Seven? Seven Isn't missions. That... Actually, it, it is the, the world record. Um, yeah. That's the most of anybody. Holy moly. Yeah, this is pretty nice being at the right place at the right time. This wow. is the right moment in time. Yeah. Well, I mean, right place and right time. It's true. But obviously, you're being very humble because you, <laughs> if I had been at the right place at the right time, I would not have been selected. So it's a whole different <laughs> dynamic. Anyway, that's wonderful, frankly. I can't, can't wait to talk with you about all the stuff that you're doing, both past and present. Thank you so much. Sure. Uh, we will, as always, begin with today's joyfully cool cosmic thing. All right. Or is it the cosmically cool thing? No, you got it right the first time. Yeah. I got it right the first time. Okay, you very messed good, them very up, good. but this time you got it. <laughs> Thank you. And it has to do with a NASA mission, specifically a mission that's sending a robotic explorer to the asteroid belt. It's called Lucy. And Lucy is a name, of course, uh, of also a famous fossilized pre-human, uh, a Australopithecus, uh, that was discovered in uh, East Africa many years ago. Now, what happened was that Lucy, on its way to its final destination over the course of many years, is passing by numerous asteroids. And one of the asteroids it just passed by is called Dinkanesh. Uh, Dinkanesh is coincidentally, or maybe not coincidentally, yeah, yeah. the name of the Lucy fossil as given in an Ethiopian language, right, Alan? I believe so. Um, yeah, I can check which yeah. language it's in. If you'd like. Yeah, probably like amphoric or, or something like that. But um, yeah, anyway, this asteroid. Yeah, look, look up. Yeah, exactly I'm, I'm Harik. Yeah, I'm Harik. Okay. And and what does it mean? It means like awesome or marvelous. It means you or... are marvelous. Ah, you are marvelous. Anyway, Dinkanesh. Yeah, it's great. Uh, they're just going to pass by and take a picture of it, make sure all the cameras work and everything. Yeah, the but... asteroid Dinkanesh. Yeah. Yeah, the asteroid Dinkanesh. But as it did that. Lucy mission found out that it's a double asteroid. There's actually a second asteroid orbiting this first one, which is <laughs> awesome. totally amazing. Yeah. And, and this asteroid is not that big. I mean, Dinkanesh mm -hmm. by itself is only like, you know, five, 600 yards across or something like that at its narrowest point. Uh, so it's only a few football fields. And yet it has its own moon. It's a double asteroid. Yeah. And it's one of the coolest like discoveries that you could just accidentally discover. Uh, I think that's just marvelously cool thing of the day. And there's even more cool about this because apparently the second asteroid part of Dinkanesh actually has its own second asteroid. Yeah, it's, it's a contact really binary. Cool. It's a contact binary. They just what released an image of it. It's when you have two asteroids that are touching each other, but not physically like stone-wise connected. So, so there's the main asteroid, and then there's this contact binary that's orbiting the main asteroid. So, <laughs> so unbelievable of asteroids going on out out in space, right? Uh, millions of miles away from Earth, and you have this thing happening with like rocks out there. They're they're doing their own thing. It, it's amazing. Yeah. It's like world for worlds. Uh, Franklin, you know, you never, I guess got to see an asteroid out in space, but you did a lot of stuff out in space. Were, were you um, uh, on the flight crew as a uh, scientist or as a uh, pilot or, or anything, mission commander kind of things? I mean, or did you do all of the above? 
pretty much all, all of the above. I, I, I did a lot of things having to do with operations and, mm -hmm. and just, just, just making things run, um, accomplishing tasks that needed to be done in space. Uh, I did a little bit of, um, you know, um, repairs. Um, I, I, did, I did three uh, spacewalks. Wow, uh, this, this, this some construction work uh, on the International Space Station. We were building it at the time. So awesome. I, got to, I got to put a piece uh, and bolt it down and make, make sure that it didn't fly off. And, Whoa. and there, was a, there was one, uh, one mission where, where I had to repair um, one of the EDAs, one of the spacewalks. I had to mm -hmm. do some repairs. So we did um, a pretty much major surgery on the on the robotic arm of the um, of the space station because he had oh, a the Canada arm one Canada the Canada arm two the 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 one on the station nice he had a, a, a broken um, articulation one of the motors of the wrist of the uh, of the arm was was failing so we had to replace it so that's cool. Yeah, yeah, people talk about rocket science being hard and surgery being hard. So you imagine rocket surgery would be even harder. <laughs> yeah. So wow. A lot of exciting stuff. And then a, a, a lot of um, uh, Earth observations, um, medical research. Uh, so mm. you kind of end up being a jack of all trades. Wow. That's great. Is your background in, in medicine or engineering or, or that engineering? kind of Engineering, uh, physics, applied physics. Um, I, I'm basically just a glorified plumber it's <laughs> electrician <laughs> so, you're, you're a very humble glorified plumber franklin that i'm i'm in awe right now let me just say but i i can't wait we'll talk more about this okay i want to hear lots and lots of stuff about i want to talk much more about the astronauty stuff at, as we go on later in our conversation but right now um let's get into this actual possibility of us going out to places like the asteroid bin Kanesh and so forth. Miranda, tell us about this Ad Astra Corporation and what you guys are trying to do, which is so cool and new uh, that NASA, you know, supported you and then now you're spun off in your own corporation. Yeah, sure. So um, our main flagship project is the VASMIR engine, which stands for Variable Specific Impulse Magnetoplasma Rocket Engine. Whoa, um, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it took me a long time to learn how to say that. <laughs> um, no, it's, uh, it's really interesting. And basically what it's offering is a new type of um, in-space propulsion. Wow. Um, yeah. Electric in-space propulsion. So it's high power, um, which is kind of new as far as electric propulsion goes. Yeah. Um, and because of its uh, power capability, it basically opens up a lot of possibilities of what we could do in space, um, not being limited by, by fuel. So, yeah. so the current electric power uh, uh, engines are these very low power ion propulsion systems. Is that right? And, and mm -hmm. so, so frankly, how are these Vasimir systems different from the existing, uh, say, heavy ion propulsion systems that are electrically based? Well, um, they're much, much, uh, much more powerful, just the way Miranda described. Um, mm -hmm. So we're going from a few kilowatts to hundreds of kilowatts and maybe wow. all Whoa. the way to megawatts. You know, these, these are... It's like a power plant. You know, you can imagine uh, the difference between um, the power of a hair dryer, for example, mm -hmm. and... Uh -huh. 
power of a diesel engine in a in a, oh, a truck. Wow, okay. so, yeah, big big muscle, big power, but also the efficiency mm. uh, of the electric of the electric thrusters. So we want to capture both of these features in one in one package. Oh, I see. Because yes. those hair dryers are, are very efficient, but they're not very powerful. Is that the point? Exactly. The, the ion engines and the, the whole thrusters are extremely efficient. Uh, ten times, you know, the fuel efficiency is ten times better than the efficiency of a chemical rocket. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Well, Alan, uh, do we have any questions from the audience? We, uh, let's, let's get as many questions as we can in because, you know, this is a great opportunity to, to learn some cool stuff. All right. All right. Let's start with Muhammad's question. Uh, Mohammed is asking, uh, engineering is problem solving. What happens when you cannot figure out how to solve a problem? You work, you know, in space, you, you know, you work the problem until you find a solution and um, you never stop. Um, hmm. You never stop there. There may be no solution, but um, but you will continue to, to search for one. And eventually you have to find something to work, yeah, you know, to either solve the problem or work around it. If I can add to that, I think that it's kind of an interesting question because I think the whole idea of engineers is that there is never no solution. Mm. Like there is always a solution. Ooh. They're always working to find a solution. That's something I've observed, at least from working here and, you know, working closely with the engineers here. Every time I think we're done, there's no solution for that. They have like three on <laughs> hand. So oh, I, it's, I, I think being an engineer is ex like never accepting no solution. Yeah, well, so I often see from like friends of mine and stuff who are in these fields it's like sometimes it's it's the solution is like not to solve it the way you thought you were going to but like you go exactly. and, and come up with a solution to a related problem that ends up working just as well here as exactly yeah exactly. wow that's pretty remarkable i i, I, I kind of wanted to dispel the notion that um, you know some people say that uh, failure is not an option hmm. in in our world it is an option in fact failure is always is always an option because Failure is how you learn. Mm. So, so we have a we have a lot of failures here in our laboratory. In fact, most of the stuff we do actually fails. Oh, <laughs> very rarely in the envelope. Yeah, <laughs> very rarely do we do we do we get it right. And I remember my my professor uh, used to tell me, Franklin, if you do an experiment and everything everything works, you've learned nothing. So oh. you've done the wrong experiment. So, mm. wow, it was an interesting oh. way to, to put it, but that it's very, very much, um, you know, this, this notion that failure is, is not an option. I know it's been propagated um, as a mantra for NASA and the uh -huh. space program, but it's, it's not really like that. Uh -huh. mm. I see. You know, so, so failure is, is not uh, discouraged. It's actually embraced right. as a way to learn and to improve right. on the next time. Now, giving up is not an option. Ah, oh, there you maybe go. The way, my, that may be the way that's, to put it. You know, that's a great point. The, if we can get our minds around the point, uh, like Muhammad is asking, right? Not thinking of failure, same thing as giving up. Failure is not giving up. Giving up is not an option, but failure is totally okay. So that yes. means you're not giving up. I think that's a great point. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's a great, great answer to this point. Now, Miranda, just from your answer there, I am inferring that you're not actually trained as an engineer. You're, you're... Oh, yes, that's correct. That would be 100%. Really? So, <laughs> so how did you get into this thing? I mean, what, what kind of stuff do you do? What, what is your background in everything? 
Yeah, well, I I brought um, so the company is very small. We're we're a very small team, uh-huh. and um, I like to think that we're doing really amazing work. Um, but uh, the story, the message of the work that we're doing, um, at that kind of we haven't developed that fully uh-huh. um, in a full capacity, and so that's really my job and my role here is to to try and um, build that story and and tell that story to other people. Oh. Um, digest the, um, you know, the science and the engineering and physics and try and, you know, present it as something more palatable uh, to broader audiences. So you're a storyteller. This, this, is, yeah. your, this is your background. You're, you tell stories. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Exactly. And, and we, we need those stories, even for something as technical as this. Uh, are you saying that, that your, your activity, uh, the sort of creative storytelling, is a big part of even though what we're doing is extremely technical? Absolutely. Yeah. I think it's critical. Um, I think people are so, um, we're given so much information now. Mm -hmm. If it's not easily digestible, we'll leave. We'll we'll go to the next thing. You know, we we move on. Um, And when it comes to getting support, whether that be funding or hiring people or, um, talking to students about what we do, you want people to feel like they understand and they're engaged in it. And that's the only way they're going to be excited about it. If they don't understand, they kind of write it off as something that does not affect them. Mm. And and space is already hard to to message about because most people don't really consider themselves connected to space, Uh even though we use space every day in our daily lives. Um, And so that getting people to relate to what you're doing the more people you can get to relate, the better. So yeah. I think it's very critical. Wow. I, yeah, I, I really like appreciate that end of things a lot. Like, you know, like what we're doing here at the Lunaverse and so forth is, is some of that too. But like also just like how much of the coolest things that come out of science are related to those stories, both the human stories, the scientific stories, the histories of everything. And like, like you know, people are inspired by the space program. People are inspired by deep sea dives and people doing geologic drilling or any of these other sorts of things because mm. of the stories that are attached to them. So right. I think, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think it's, it's almost to the other end. There's so many things happening that if they don't have a, a, a good storyteller, mm. we won't know about them, you know? Yeah. Wow. And I think that's what I came into when I, when I started working here is I, we had this group of brilliant engineers making advanced propulsion systems that could totally transform the way we move around in space yeah. nobody knew about it. Nobody had heard of us. So, oh and that's okay. But that's like the role is to try and um, help people connect to oh, what we're doing. And- but, but you were spitting out those technical terms about Vasmir and rockets just fine. So I infer that you have also become quite the plasma physicist yourself in the process of learning this stuff. Is that true? Is that a fair statement? Say yes. Well, I try. Oh, so did you say say yes? <laughs> Franklin says say yes. <laughs> My boss is saying I have to say yes. No, I, um, I, uh, I think I, um, even though I lack uh, technical and scientific training, I am a very avid learner. Like I love learning, love asking questions. I know I'm very vulnerable with questions. I don't, I don't mind asking the quote unquote, silly or stupid questions. And so I've spent the last six years just asking all the questions and forcing everyone here to explain everything to me. And so I've wow. gotten the opportunity to learn. No, that's great like, too. Like I mean, yesterday, 
like yesterday we had a long conversation on orbital mechanics and she learned <laughs> all about heliocentric trajectories and spirals and all those. Wow. Yeah. And, and the, and the progression of nodes and the, uh, all those kinds of weird <laughs> orbital dynamic stuff, which I barely remember from even my formal training. Is that what we're talking about? <laughs> well, it's even That's better funny. than, than some of the planets themselves because you have the, accelerations besides just gravity going on too right that's true so that's true. Now, have you gotten to the precession of perihelion of mercury yet giving some general relativity in, into that conversation she hasn't gotten to that point but it's coming it's coming it's coming uh, <laughs> you can't avoid it but that's great miranda i think that's that's wonderful you don't need formal education in something to be good at it right and and this is true even for rocket science which i think is a great and you're like a living embodiment of that kind of optimism i think it's terrific so yeah uh, so so tell me the story then right now in a in a 60 second you know some some short period of time tell me the more than 60 seconds specifically okay, if you want. More, yeah. <laughs> right. tell tell us the story of ad astra right now the story uh and, and let's hear it. And we're, we're by the fireside now. We're like, you know, in front of the fireplace or, or around <laughs> the campfire. We're just kind of sitting there and, and you're going to tell a story. This is the story of Ed Astor. Okay. Okay. Well, uh, that, that's tough. Um, let's <laughs> that's see. fair. Let's see. Um, well, I think it kind of starts with Franklin. I mean, he um, came to this country for a very specific reason, with a very specific dream. And throughout that journey, things um, evolved in ways that maybe we didn't expect. And he became very enamored with uh, energy and propulsion and kind of the science behind his original goal, which was to become an astronaut. Wow. And, uh, <laughs> and then he, um, he actually started the project on the Vasmir engine before even being accepted into uh, the ninth class of astronauts. And so he kind of has brought it along with him. And I think maybe at first it was, uh, let's build this cool rocket. And then after going to space, maybe a little bit of this overview effect that we talk about with astronauts. Wow. He started to think about it in a different way. And now I think the goal of this engine is to really change what we can do in space. We're very limited right now, you know, with our technology and how we can move around in space. Everyone, there's lots of space companies, there's lots of ideas, there's lots of things we need to do and we want to do, lots of motivation, um, lots of excitement around space. And we're really just missing the like the engine that can. Yeah. Oh, wow. The little engine that can is very much what we are. We're the little engine that can. And um, so I think that's what we're working on and we're getting really close. I mean, really technology wise, we've come a very long way, um, especially from just when I started. And now it's really more the expensive part, just <laughs> building something that we can put in space and show everyone that it works the way we said. This is totally amazing. We we've got to get more into these stories. What what a wow, nice job. Like telling the story of <laughs> yeah. a rocket company. I mean, well done. That's great. Uh, so let's let's build on on the story more. Franklin, you know, um, Miranda like told this glowing story of you exploring and you came to the United States from Costa Rica specifically to become an astronaut. Is that what you wanted to do? That's 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 right. Um, you know, it was one of those um, childhood dreams. Um, I was not the only one that had those dreams when I was a little boy. You know, back in the early fifties, lots of you know, kids like me uh, wanted to be, well, 
there were no astronauts in those days. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we all wanted to be space explorers. Mm. Uh, and, and so, you know, being, being a, a, a young, young man with those kinds of dreams was not that unusual. What maybe was a little strange is what I, I kind of never grew up out of it. <laughs> ah, I love it. And I, just, I, I know a thing. I'm sorry to interrupt, because, but I just want to tell you, I know a thing or two about never growing out of things. So yeah. I, I think Alan can tell me, can, can say that that is actually true. And that is so fair. I love that. <laughs> okay, please continue. Go on, go on. No, no. So that, that, that was what moved me to, to come to the United States. And, um, but it was also the times, you know, the, the, the space program was in, in full swing. You know, we were, the country was getting ready to go to the moon. Uh, the Apollo program was captivating, uh, you know, the imagination of all the young people. And I was swept into the into this whole wave of space, just uh, just along with everybody else. That's awesome. And and I I I, I just kept on going, and um, I never really, you know, was I, I wasn't looking at the end point completely, but uh, but I was just being, you know, allowing myself to be carried by the by this this tremendous wave that was that was uh, going going on. Oh, that's wonderful. So what was your entry point into space? How, I mean, some well, people yeah. go in because they're, they're pilots, right? And other people go in because they're scientists and stuff. How, how did you well, make I, yourself indispensable? Yeah, well, I, I, I wanted to pursue uh, space from a, from a scientific point of view, uh, from, mm -hmm. from a technical point of view. I mean, I, I love flying. I, you know, I learned to fly when I was in college. I became a pilot, um, just a private pilot. I was never in the military, so I, I didn't go into the into that track. But I felt that ultimately astronauts would be uh, scientists, uh, but more like operational scientists, you know, and explorers that were able to also, you know, uh, operate the controls of their spacecraft. So it was wow. a, a kind of a combination of all of all of those things, and I followed a um, an experimental physics um, track, and I was an engineer, but I spent a lot of time in the physics laboratory, you know, working with gadgets, and and it's just I, I kind of live in that in that sort of fringe between physics and engineering. And then eventually became a citizen of the United States, um, and you know it all it all kind of began to happen. Uh, and and at at one point NASA issued a um, a call for a new group of astronauts for the space shuttle program, which was just be, just beginning. Wow! And I, I sent my my application and I was I was rejected. <laughs> but. Like, but uh, failure is not an option. No, I'm kidding. Giving up uh, is not an option, so I didn't give giving up. Giving up is not an option. I figured that eventually that there would be another opportunity, and the opportunity came later, two years later, and I applied again. And this time I, w I was called for an interview, and I began to see myself in a smaller and smaller group, um, and the odds began to get more interesting until, you know, May of... Um, 1980, when I was uh, called by NASA, you know, they told me you had been selected as a member of the ninth group of astronauts of the space shuttle for the space wow. program. And that That's day, awesome. my life changed completely. You no, know, 
there was no turning back. Yeah. It was the beginning of um, of, of a dream uh, realized. I, 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 I wanted to fly in space. I uh, figured that I would fly once, or maybe twice. I never imagined that I would fly seven times. <laughs> I never imagined that I would fly all of the space shuttles uh, that wow. I would fly you know, to the Russian space station Mir, that I would, you know, that I would um, help build the International Space Station, that, um, I mean, I just, I, I just uh, can't get over wow. how lucky I've, I've, I've been. And wow. A lot again, be uh, that, that's amazing. And, you know, again, I'm just impressed by how humble you are, that, that you're saying you're lucky and everything like that. But you don't just get lucky, be picked to go up seven times. I mean, you actually had to be pretty darn wanted to be up there, right? Because there are a lot of people that want to go. So you were on every single space shuttle, like even flew, the ones uh, that, flew that were destroyed? All the ships except for the Challenger because oh. the Challenger exploded uh, just right after my first flight. Oh, wow. I just came back from space. 10 days later, the Challenger exploded. And, oh, and dang. Only thing is that our crew had been had been assigned to that mission. Really? Yeah, and and we were wow. um, we were moved to an earlier flight to the the, the earlier uh, flight of, of Columbia, uh, which took off um, just uh, essentially ten days. Well, I mean there, there was a difference of, of ten days between our, our landing and their and their departure. And and wow. so. Um, so we, you know, I'm here to tell you the story. I, 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 I wouldn't be otherwise. Wow. Jeez. Yeah. Cosmic coincidences and all that, right? But uh, it, it is true. I mean, this space is still an adventure. It is still a risk. There are still a lot of things we have to think about. And, and I'm sure that that's on top of your mind as, as well as, you know. Yeah, it is. And it was very uh, much so after the, the uh, Challenger explosion. Uh, you know, you kind of, uh, I, I went to the launch pad with a different mindset with, you know, a different, um, you know, sense that, um, that I could die, you, you know, wow. and, and, but, you know, the, the people who really suffer is, is the families, hmm. the crews, you know, the crew members are in their activity, they're, you know, they're, they're doing what they want to do. They're ex it's exciting. You don't think very much about you know getting killed. Yeah. Um, but the families are 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 sitting or standing there at the launch uh, facility, watching, and they can't do anything. Wow. That I think that must be really hard. Well, Miranda, was it hard? <laughs> it was very little. Yeah, I was. I was very little. Um, when I, I think I was alive for the last two launches. Um, and I, I remember one of them. Um, and, you know, he, he had to, it, when he was working at uh, NASA as an astronaut, he also still had, um, before the Advanced Space Propulsion Laboratory, he had his project, the Vesner project at, at uh, MIT in Boston. Mm. And so he was flying back and forth a lot. So he was on, he went on trips a lot. And so I remember that launch and like, we were all there and it was like a big deal, but I was like, isn't he just going on another trip? I don't really understand. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was like, and then we see this big, you know, rocket, you know, fly into space. And I was kind of like, 
that's a really crazy looking plane. (laughs) 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 But I was very much, I mean, I was very unaware and it wasn't until much later. And it was a bit, you know, I'll be 100% honest. It was a bit sobering. Me and my sister talk about this a lot, but much later, all these pieces started to, to tie together as how dangerous it was. And I still don't even really like watching space movies, like astronaut movies. It makes me a little like anxious, but um, yeah, I mean, I, we have, um, uh, they're called, uh, oh, I forget what they're called, but it's astronauts who are not assigned to the mission that your family member is on. Oh. Um, they're like family guardians es- or family escort, a family escorts. Family yeah, yeah. escorts. And, and so they'll come and they'll like try and distract you. And if you have kids, they'll help whoever's staying behind, whichever spouse is staying behind with the kids. They'll help, you know, distract them, take them to Disney World or land or whatever, go swimming or go to the beach because it's usually in Florida. Yeah. And um, and I always just thought, oh, man, Uncle Ronnie's so cool. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I didn't think about like how that connected until much later. Wow. And so I think it, it was a bit sobering for me. It'd be interesting to hear what Lydia and, and the other sisters thought, but um, wow! Yeah. So, yeah. so that's scary. Yeah, but, but that's pretty amazing that that there is actually this family connection and and how you, uh, I I don't think I've ever heard any family member of an astronaut talk about that childhood experience. That's really a story in itself, isn't it? Right, and and yeah. as a child, now that connection has led you to now working with your father in this amazing new technology development and all that work. I, that must feel super cool. Hi there. Hope you've enjoyed the first episode of our conversation with Miranda Chang and Dr. Franklin Chang-Diaz. Be sure to check out our second episode. There's a lot more great stuff that we talk about. If you like what you see and hear, as always, please support us on Patreon. And as always, thank you for being a part of the universe.